In the beginning, God created. That's the foundation of our belief. We believe because it's written in God's word. In the beginning, God created. As I look over the slim crowd tonight, I am sure that every one of you possess, own a Bible. And those of you out there listening online, I'm sure that most of you own a Bible. And it's probably written in a language that you understand. Perhaps it's English, and it's printed in black and white. Maybe a red letter edition, so the words of Jesus are in red. So if I read here in my Bible, which was given to me in 1970 by my good wife, if I read something out of my Bible, your Bible's going to say the same thing, right? It's, it's there, it's black and white. And there's some interesting facts about the Bible. I look online, and so I take it. It's probably true, but I found it online. It says that the first handwritten English manuscript was produced in the 1380s by a man by John Wycliffe. 1380, all right, that's a long time ago. The first Bible that was printed, it told me that it was 1455, somewhere 1,500 years ago. It's estimated that there's over 5 billion copies of the Bible have been printed. And this Bible, this book, is by far the world's best-selling book of all times. No other book, whether it's fact or fiction, even comes close. Most estimates place the number of Bibles printed each year at over 100 million. And 20 million Bibles alone are sold in the United States of America. And the Gideon, that International Bible Society, distributed about 60 million copies of the Bible worldwide last year. That's more than 100 Bibles a minute. And then you add all the Bibles that are on your e-readers and electronic devices. That's a lot of Bibles. The interesting thing is, when you read the first five words in Genesis, in the beginning God created, it's been the same. It's been the same for thousands of years. It has not changed. Think how important, how valuable what you have right there, your own Bible, how valuable that is. My mother gave me a Bible back off. Oh, back in the early 60s sometime. Before that, a Sunday school teacher had given me a Bible probably back in the early 50s. They all say the same thing. They haven't changed. The Bible is that you own, the Bible that you have, is by far the most popular book in the whole world. Have you read it? Are you familiar with it? Let's look at what was written. When it first starts out, there in Genesis, it, we recall that uh, uh, every word that was written in this Bible was inspired by God. Man wrote it, but every word was inspired by God. And we read that 
God created all things. So there at the beginning, what do you suppose it was like before the beginning? The earth was without form and void. It says so in your Bible and mine too. It said that God began speaking and all things began to happen. God said, let there be light and there was light. God said, let there be a firmament and it was so. God said, let the waters under heaven be gathered together and it was so and it was good. Your Bible says the same thing my Bible says. I'm sure of that. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, herbs, trees after his kind, and it was so. And God saw that it was good. God said, let there be lights, and it was so. God saw that that was good. God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly great whales, birds after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our own image. So God created man in his own image. Male and female created he them. And then there's a period. That's the end of creation as we know it. There wasn't anything else created. The animals were made after their kind. All these things were made after their kind. God made a man and God made a woman and creation ended as we know it. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Check it out. Read it. It's in your Bible. Then day seven, after God created the first six days, day seven, he rested. Everything was perfect. Man was given a choice to do good or to do evil. Unfortunately, evil was chosen and kind of a downhill journey began. Cain killed Abel, and after that it seemed like sin just progressed more and more, and the whole world was filled with sin, and then along comes Noah, and God told Noah to build an ark for saving of mankind. Noah and his family were saved from the flood, and everything else was destroyed that wasn't in the ark. Noah found favor in the eyes of God. More disappointing things happen. God saw the need of the Ten Commandments, and they're good for us today, too. You might ask, why did God have to give these specific commandments? Why couldn't he have just said, behave yourselves, be good? How many times have we told that to our kids? Behave yourself. And they wonder, what does behave mean? Well, sometimes we need specifics. When you're driving down the highway and you see this big white sign that says speed limit, it doesn't say drive what's comfortable, drive however you feel like it. No, it says drive and it has a number, specific number. Did you know that the tires on your car have a letter on them that give you specifically the speed limit of that tire? Probably your tires are an R-rated tire, which means it has a maximum speed of 106. If you want to go 149 miles an hour, you have to have a Z-rated tire. 
Numbers are important. Details are important. You know, I've never received a letter from IRS that say, well, it's tax time, pay what you feel like. They have a number. Just so with God, he had specifics and we need specifics in our life. God spake these words to Moses. Actually, he wrote it down on a tablet and gave it to Moses. And he said, God said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord thy God will hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Be careful how we talk. Be careful how we use the name of God. Always use it reverently. Never use it in any other way but in reverence. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Now it's up to you to know what holy is, how you reverence the Sabbath day. But he said, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Be careful there too. Honor thy father and thy mother. That's pretty simple. Don't treat them bad. Honor them. Treat them right. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Another interesting fact that you might find on the internet, did you know that in 21 states, adultery is against the law and is punishable by fine or even jail time? Interesting. But God said it first. Thou shalt not steal. Don't take something without permission. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Don't say bad things about your neighbor that aren't true. And even if they are true, sometimes don't say it. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. These are specifics that God gave back in the Ten Commandments. Now we're going to jump through many stories in the Bible. You know, as, as you read through the Bible, it's, it's just so intriguing. There, there's, there's all these stories of these people. Some did good. Some did bad. Some did really bad. Prophets warn the people what happens if you turn aside from God. But all those stories can be examples for us today to follow God, to listen to God, listen to the commandments of God. Uh, look at the Ten Commandments. Read them once in a while. Re read these things. They're, they're good. As we get into the New Testament, we see where Jesus, God's Son, arrived on the scene, just like it was prophesied in the Old Testament, many years before his birth. Jesus came with the purpose to save mankind from their sins. Jesus never did anything wrong, but he was crucified on that old rugged cross by those wicked, evil men. And now Jesus is off the scene and his disciples, his followers, are carrying the gospel forward. Remember, all this is written so we can know the way of salvation. It was all inspired by God himself. As we read there in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture, this says this in your Bible too, all scripture is given by insp inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It was inspired by God. 
the same God that spoke the worlds into existence, the same God that said, let there be light, and there was light. Wow, we need to listen to him. And these disciples now in the New Testament time, they had been with Jesus. Jesus was gone back to heaven now. And they could personally feel the urgency of preaching the truth, preaching that truth that Jesus had had taught them and preached to them to carry on the gospel. And it seems like as we get closer to the end of the Bible, their messages were a little stronger, a little more pointed. Like, if you know that you're not going to have much time left, you want to get the point across. It pays to listen to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3.16 we read, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy? It's in your Bible, check it out. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. Ye are the temple of God. Let no man deceive you. So if I am the temple of God, I don't want any graffiti on me. I don't want anything anything weird on me. I want to be holy and true. I want to be a good example of God's temple. I want to live so God would be pleased with the way I am. Then in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, we continue on. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? That's probably pretty simple. The unrighteous won't go to heaven, basically. And he goes on to say, Be not deceived. The world we live in today is full of deceit, right? We see and hear so many things on every side of us that sometimes a person can almost wonder if you're not grounded in the gospel. It says, be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners. And it says, none of these shall inherit the kingdom of God. Those that do these things right there in your Bible and in my Bible, it says, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. So what is a fornicator? That's an unmarried person having sexual intercourse. To put it bluntly, that's what it is. God said, if you are involved in that, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Adulterers, a married person having sexual relation with one other than his spouse. The Bible says, your Bible and my Bible says, none of these shall inherit the kingdom of God. We don't want to go there, folks. We want to live a, a life that's approved by God. Nor effeminate, a man having feminine qualities, untypical of a man. That person, it says right there in God's word, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. You look that one up. Choose the one that is biblical. You want to be careful how we live. Thieves, covetous, drunkards, 
revilers. That's the same as being a bully. Yeah, it gets kind of, it covers all the bases there. Extortioners. But God said in his word, in your Bible, in my Bible, that those that do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But let's look at the good side of things. He goes on to say, and such were some of you. You remember before you got saved, the things you did, the way you lived? And such were some of you, but ye are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. There's a way out of sin. <coughs> there is a way out of that life that is not pleasing to God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Amen. What a wonderful thing that is. <clears throat> there are so many more warnings in the Bible. <coughs> in, in your Bible, in my Bible, is full of warnings, of illustrations. When we lived in Canada a number of years ago, there was an elderly gentleman there that I used to love to go visit, a brother Thomas. He'd pull up into his driveway, and up there was his little kitchen nook and a table, and you'd see him sit there reading his Bible. He told me he'd read the Bible through 20 times. And I thought, wow, that, that's something. That's, that was like a challenge to me. So I set out to see what I could do. And every time I read the Bible through, I find something new. You do that too? When you read the Bible through, it seemed like, or even reading the Bible, it just seemed like, I don't remember seeing that before. I found out that the average reading speed, the average reader, if you only read the Bible 10 minutes a day, you could read it through in a year. And if you read long, more than that, you can read more than once a year. But they're full of promises, good promises, good warnings, good illustrations. Second Peter 1, 4 says, whereby are given unto us exceeding and great, exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and virtue, and knowledge, and temperance, and patience, and godliness, and brotherly kindness, and charity. Lots of good things. These are promised from God. And in 1 John 5, 3, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. As we read through the Bible, as we look at these promises, look at these, these exceeding great and precious promises, it's thrilling to read these things. Yes, there are places in there that, that warn us, don't do this, don't do that. That's okay. We want to stay away from those because we want to make heaven our home. He says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? All of it. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
so we can have live pure and holy and be ready for that next step up into heaven. And then we'll close with a few verses from Revelation. There was the last invitation given, found in verse 17 of chapter 22. And the spirit and the bride say, come, let them that hear us say, come, let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Anybody, everybody has that opportunity. Come to take the, the, the water of life freely and be ready for heaven. It is your choice tonight, just like way back at the beginning, <coughs> When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and God gave them a choice, they made the wrong choice. They ate of that fruit that they were not supposed to eat of. Don't make the wrong choice tonight. Verse 11 of that same chapter says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. So when the trumpet sounds, when we step over on the other side, whether, whether it's by way of the grave or we hear the trumpet, when that time happens, you are what you are. There's no change. You can't change your destiny in, how's that go? Uh, in eternity. When eternity happens, that's where you are. God help us to make the right choice tonight. And if you're confused about what choice to make or which direction to go, it's right in here. It's been, it's been written in black and white for thousands of years. It has not changed. The world changed. People say things different. They say, oh, this is okay now. He didn't really mean that. Read it. Let God speak to you. And then answer his call. As we do in every meeting, we always give a chance to pray. And whether you're here with this little audience this, this evening or whether you're out wherever you might be, we encourage you to pray, seek God, and make the right choice. And you know what? Someday, someday soon, if you make that right choice, we'll see you in heaven. Make the right choice tonight.